0: I've just had the most wonderful conversation with Anna Lewis, founder of Sketchy Mama, in her shepherd's hut, no less. It was one of those conversations where I started to think about my soul more than I've done probably this whole year. We spoke about her soul goals. And if you want to know more, do listen. It's the way that she describes her journey in business, her journey in life, about how she is regenerating herself, the chapters that she's looking forward to. She just had this perspective that has made me really think quite deeply. And pay attention to when she talks about the middle bit, the middle bit of her that her husband, her child and everyone who loves her loves. And it's really made me think about my middle bit and your middle bit. Definitely get the tissues, because I was in quite a mess by the end of this letter. I think this is one you're going to really enjoy.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown.
0: I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not on the High Street for my kitchen table, and since then, I've gone on to launch Holly & Co., I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favorite small businesses, entrepreneurs, and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to Dell Technologies, who've helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Anna. Well, this is exciting. We have only just recently had our first little one-to-one when we did an IGTV live, but this is going to be the first time, even though we've known each other for a long time, that we're going to spend some quality time together one-on-one isn't it it's so nice to see you yeah my first ig live and my first ever podcast with you there we go i love that and i'm just looking at you and you're in this describe where you're where you're recording from because I, i mentioned to you it feels like a bit of a scandinavian den yeah it really
2: is it's um i got this studio a month before the first lockdown so actually just over a year ago And it's a wooden shepherd's hut at Mount Pleasant Eco Park in Pofftown, which is in Cornwall. It's quite on the rugged side of Cornwall. And it's got my little wood burner there. It's not actually on at the moment. I literally feel like I'm in my seven-year-old dream den I've completely
0: regressed, but in a good way. (laughs) I love that. As my co-founder, Gabby, would say, it's a she-shed. Yeah. I love this idea. Well, listen, let's start right at the beginning, because I would love to talk to you about your upbringing. You grew up in Cornwall, which sounds glorious. What was your childhood like, given that you lived so close to the sea? Was it as idyllic as it sounds? Yeah, I think
2: think when you come from Cornwall, the sea is it's just a massive part of you my mum was always um taking us down the beach we lived really really close to the beach and when we came back from school she said right I've just chucked a curry together and put it in a flask we're going down the beach and it was just like normal to us and the beach was Mm. where everybody went and I think it's it really does become part of you like when I lived in London I just missed the sea so much and it and actually, it's, it's like a really big part of my work as well. It's alive and it's almost like another, it's just a presence in your life that's always there. If ever you feel like, oh, it's just too much. Um, I mean, we're all online so much now. And I think it just, like my eyes sometimes start to feel really strained or... You can just become so sucked into online and then you think, oh, I need a reset, go to the beach. I need a reset, go to the beach.
0: Do you think that growing up in that environment um, with nature all around you inspired you even as a child? Because obviously it inspires you now because I heard you say that you can't even remember a time that you weren't drawing.
2: Looking back, my mum is quite creative, and even now, we're looking around my shepherd's hut. I always seem to collect junk furniture from somewhere, and my mum will be like, "Oh, by the way, I've I've stripped that down and and painted that up, and that can go in your hut." And I think it just it's just doing something with your hands all the time, and it's just quite an outdoor life, outdoor way of living. And I remember even as a teenager, like thinking, "I'm going to get my flask of coffee and just walk around the cliffs and do some drawing." It sort of merges into you. Although I'm known for the sketchy mama, I'm sort of really drawn to looking at the moon and the cycles and the seasons are just a massive part of what I think makes you feel
0: safe in the world. Talking about your mum, I read that your mum said something actually quite interesting to you when you were looking um, at taking A-level art. She discouraged you, saying that you don't need to study art to be an artist. And I actually love that thought. But you did go to art college, but you chose the photography option. Yeah. I can imagine that was an amazing start of your journey. Well, I think it's one of those things that you almost wish you could do again, because you
2: didn't realise how good you had it, really. Because I think at the time when I went to art college, I always knew that art was what I wanted to do. But I think at that age, you're really just seeking to leave home and discover who you are. So the art is a big part of it, but also, to be honest, so is partying and, (laughs) and kind of going out and just that sort of thing. I look back now and a lot of the mature students who they were all really lovely, we had a lovely group of people, they always did, really well and now I look back and think no wonder because they were always sort of well I've got to crack on and do this because I've got to go home and look after my children and at the time I was thinking well that's a bit boring why don't you come to this party and now I'm thinking how stupid that I was (laughs) but yeah it was it was really really good and I chose photography only because well you could it was graphic design so you could do a bit of illustration a bit of photography and a bit of typography at the beginning and then you selected And I just went for the photography mainly because they seemed the most sort of liberal and the illustration on that particular course at that particular time, which was a long time ago, seemed a bit too traditional for me, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But even though I did do photography, I think what I used to do was make little miniature sets and illustrate little mini things, a bit like your... um, fairy gardens and our our
0: fairy door yes yeah
2: I was talking to my friend about that and we were saying I can't believe it's actually a real job that you can actually be the person that makes (laughs) so yeah I mean it was it was really really good time and you just felt quite free and I and I had a really good job in a pub to support my college fees and everything And I really, really, really loved that job as well. And it just, there was, they used to play like loads of really cool live bands and it just was a good time, really.
0: And so it should be, shouldn't it, I suppose, at at that age. I look back as well and it it needed to have that mix. Life can't be too serious too quickly. Yeah. And I I wonder whether it, it does become a bit too serious at the moment for many. But it sounds like you did have fun, though.
2: Yeah, I did have fun, but I definitely agree that you do not need to my success I've got now through drawing was always there. Going to art college was just a little bit of a, it was a really good fun time, but I don't necessarily think that that put me on this path. I mean, I I don't know what it's like now because obviously it was a long time ago, but there wasn't particularly any links to industry or you sort of thought, yeah, this is amazing, I had a great time. And then you get out the other side and you're thinking, oh, well, what do I do
0: now? Well, I wanted to talk to you about the other side because you left college and you took a path that led you doing actually lots of different types of jobs, everything from teaching to painting and decorating. Yeah. Um, And you headed off to the smoke. You headed to London, didn't you? And you worked in an advertising agency, me too. But the pull of home, and I'm guessing those beautiful Cornish coastlines Became too much, and you moved back to Cornwall to work in a college there. Am I right in saying that then you qualified as a teacher?
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose when I look back, it was brilliant at university and college. I had such a good time. And also within that time, I'd saved up and traveled around Asia in the holidays and did like loads of waitressing so I could do that in the holidays. But when I actually left, I actually had a lot of anxiety and I really, really did not know what I was doing. I felt really quite lost for quite a lot of my 20s because I knew I had talent, but I really, really had no direction. And so I tried all sorts of jobs from like telly sales, bar jobs, nannying, waitressing. And then I did go to London and I was a runner for quite a long time around Soho Gardens in every ad agency going And then I got into Mother London, the advertising agency. I don't know if it's still there, but it was quite a good one at the time. I put together an advertising portfolio and I did this little... Because I knew it was really hard to get in there. So I did this little stunt or something where I bought like a little baby doll from the catalogue and put it outside, like Lost Child Needs Mother. And it was all sort of like an interactive art piece to actually get me through the door.
0: (gasps) So what did you hope something
2: would happen? Yeah, and it did happen because somebody said to me, oh, you'll never get in there. They just have racks and racks of portfolios that no one will ever look at. And I thought, well, I don't want to just be another black portfolio in the rack. So I sort of decided to, I mean, I've bought them now for my daughter, like, you know, you can get a doll set with a potty and um, and all of that. And I thought, right, I'm going to buy a cheap one of those. And then I sort of did this whole sort of lost child needs mother. So they opened the door and thought, what's this outside? And then that kind of got my portfolio to the front of the pack. Brilliant. I got in there then. I didn't really know anything about advertising. I think I just caught wind that that might be a good idea when I was a runner around Soho, because I thought, well, what are my options? And then they put me together with another guy it was kind of it was okay and I think we worked on a thing for Orange. It was it wasn't a long time I was there. It did feel like really good and really buzzy, but it kind of still didn't really feel like it was quite me. I don't think I could have sustained that lifestyle. I liked the getting in but then when I was in I thought
0: well yeah you grab people's attention with your creativity and actually that's genius what you did with mother and what you're talking about but it wasn't worth it once you're in actually it wasn't so that pull you got that pull to come home did you and tell me about them becoming a teacher I did just
2: start to feel a little bit deflated really because I thought I'm I've got this energy but I just don't know where to direct it or what to do with it and and it sort of I was like really anxious a lot. It wasn't that I was a nervous person. It was almost like I had this adrenaline. I was sort of locked and loaded, ready to go, but I didn't have a direction. So anyway, so then, yeah, then I came home and then I got a job just at a college in a graphics department, which was a really sort of, It did feel a little bit demoralizing. But on the other hand, I secretly really loved it because I thought, ah, paper, photocopier machines, pens, great. Like the simplicity of that job. Mm. I mean, they they were really lovely, the people I worked for. And I had my own little sort of office. And they knew I worked hard. And and I got all the jobs done really quickly. I mean, you just set it up on the photocopier and it does it. (laughs) And then I thought, brilliant. Now I can get on with my own business, which is making my little miniature zines and stuff. And I sort of almost thought of it as my own sort of... I, when I say business, I wasn't making Fugio. any... Studio. Yeah, and I thought, oh, great. I'll get on with the actual job job, and then I can get on with my real job, which is like being an artist. <laughs> In fact, I was going to send it to you. And, and there, you notice how much like wasted... Uh, like people would print on one side, and there'd be tons and tons and tons of wasted paper. So me and this other guy that we work with, who they were all really lovely... We also had access to, um, like, binding machines. Mm-hmm. So we decided to make miniature books and then make these characters called, and I've, I was going to send you one, I will send you one.
0: Oh, my goodness. Called um,
2: Recycle Lynn <laughs> and Recycle Len. Oh, my goodness. That's so fantastic. So then I thought, oh, brilliant. Right. So now I've got my own little sort of miniature business going on. And that, But then I think because I was approaching 30 and people said, oh, you know, I mean, it was really rubbish pay. I felt like I'd won the lottery because I had access to a photocopying machine. And then people said, oh, um, you know, you're really artistic. Why don't you become a teacher? I sort of had this anxiety inside thinking, oh God, yeah, I'm nearly 30. What am I doing with my life? I'll be a teacher. I'll be a teacher. And so I sort of went along with it and signed up to the course. And inside I was thinking, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great, it'd be great. And so I did it, but I just didn't want to do it. Mm. Like I said, the people I worked with were so lovely. The students were lovely. But I found myself almost taking over their art projects and thinking, why don't you do this? And sort of the desire to be an illustrator never really left me, it just almost made it worse because I was thinking
0: I want to be doing that myself. But you were almost numbing that desire and you know and, and let's talk about when you started taking on illustration work so you obviously that desire became too much and I know that your partner who you met at college was highly supportive and encouraged you to follow your heart. How did you first get started in the world of illustration? Is it quite a difficult world to get into? I think it's
2: like a lot of things it's like who you know I mean you do have to have obviously a bit of talent but what happened there was Ray my partner who like you say just changed everything for me really and I did actually meet him outside at the photocopying machine. It's like
0: <laughs> that photocopying machine has a lot to answer for in a good way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: I, I literally want one here in the shepherd's <laughs> hut. I just think they're brilliant because you can make all these and they do double stapling. Oh, it's great. Anyway, <laughs> he's really creative and he's a filmmaker. A lot he's Chinese and a lot of his films are about identity and things like that. And he'd actually was similar, like he'd got on worked on some quite big films up in Bristol, but he just sort of thought, this isn't really me, I want to do personal work. So he sort of, like me, dropped out of that and he started to qualify to teach. And he was living in this tiny little chalet in St. Agnes, where we live. It was cheap as chips, but it was like literally his friend ran the chalet. And he said, well, why don't you get your own little chalet? And then you can just sort of not worry about sort of rent and everything so much. So that's what I did. So I kind of got my little chalet that was something about 20 pounds a week or something ridiculous. I mean, it was about the size of an ice cream tub. <laughs> and, I, and I think I left the teaching then and I, just, I was just getting more and more demoralized because I thought I'm just failing at everything and I'm, you know, the time's ticking away. And he just said, well, why don't you just start drawing again? Because that's what you love. And then I think we went down to the local pub and I bumped into a girl who Ray went to college with And she was a working illustrator. And she said, oh, I really need someone to sublet my studio. And I said, I'll do it. (gasps) And then so I moved in with her. Just like that. Yeah. And it was just really, really serendipitous. And so then she was published. And then someone, a friend of hers came in and saw my drawings on the wall and said, oh, you'd be good for this other company we've got. And then that was the moment where I started to get some work. And I had some books published like... uh, Board books for babies and toddlers, and then I started to get my confidence up and then I started to do some work for car companies and things like that and yeah, it sort of came from there
0: really in a way it was a not a happy accident, but it it sort of was you. You went in there, didn't you? Not basically planning to start a business, but you went in there to, as your partner said, to follow your dream, follow what you were talented at. Yeah. And I'm interested to know, you, you obviously got those initial contracts and everything. What were the first steps of starting your business?
2: In all honesty, with that little bit of success before I had our daughter, it, it was really, really good. And it made me think, yes, okay, I'm going to be an illustrator because like I said in London I was thinking am I a copywriter am I because I always had ideas but and I was all over the shop Mm -hmm. but then I thought no I'm committed I want to be an illustrator and and I also really love writing so at that point this is pre-Sketchy Mama I started writing books myself like little board books and I remember because we're at the bottom of Cornwall here dragging up this is again before Zoom calls and things like that (laughs) dragging up to London. with my portfolios and I remember going to I think they were called Campbell Books and they said these are great we're going to take them all on and then something happened I think it was like their budget got cut and it was sort of last in, last out and so that was quite sort of oh god not again and then I've sort of answered your question in a roundabout way but I think then what basically happened is I had our little girl and then the sketchy mama thing it just happened so organically so I started putting that on Facebook and Instagram and then somebody said, oh, can I buy a print from you? And I thought, uh, okay. And then I thought, well, how do I sell a print? And then I looked on Etsy and I got myself set up on there. I don't really know how, but I did. I mean, actually looking back, it wasn't that hard. And I sold one print to this lady. And I, I think about it now because I sold it for 16 pounds and then I thought, I think I should have sold it for 15 pounds. And then a month later, I refunded her a pound. <laughs> because I just was so like, I don't really know what I should be selling or what I should be doing. I didn't really intend to start a shop. Then all these sales started coming in. So it just happens organically, really.
0: We're working with our partners at Dell Technologies to empower small businesses across the UK with the tools and knowledge they need to thrive. So every week we bring you the Small Business Pharmacy Live to help you navigate your business journey covering a whole range of topics, including adaptability and how we can learn to adapt on demand. Here, I'm talking to our Holly & Co's coach, Kate, about the growth mindset.
1: Fixed mindset is where we believe, you know, we're either good at something or we're not. You're always born with it. Like I was born, you know, bad at maths. So there's kind of no point me trying. We hold these things, don't we, really tightly. And the problem with fixed mindsets, it can really limit your potential and your business's potential, particularly if you're making judgments and decisions from that place about yourself, about your team, about the business and what it's actually capable of. It can impact your confidence and motivation. On the other hand of it, if you really believe that you are truly excellent at something, it can make you really closed off to those perspectives that we just spoke about from other people and the team and, and that kind of thing. The truth is no one person has all the answers today. So we've got to stay open So a growth mindset is more where you see success as a journey. You know, it's messy, it's not linear, And we recognize that the way we get better is through kind of our grit, determination and trying experiments and learning from failure. So we need to be catching ourselves when we recognize that we've got a fixed mindset around some of the areas we might want to adapt. Big watch out for women. Women tend to have more fixed mindset than men. And actually, somebody mentioned about children earlier needing to be adaptable. Actually, how often do you hear people say children are so adaptable? It's because they Uh, approach the world from a place of learning and curiosity whereas adults we tend to approach it from a place of knowledge and experience that's why they adapt quicker so embrace your inner child for the latest lessons advice
0: and insights join me every wednesday at midday live on my instagram as we tackle a different area of business with a continued commitment to empower you dell are giving away a tech in a box every week For a chance to win a brand new Dell XPS laptop and a whole host of other goodies, head to holly.co slash get involved, where you'll also find loads of tangible advice on everything from marketing to brand and HR, all thanks to Dell. Now let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. I love the fact that you sort of decided to become an illustrator and I can imagine that was a moment for you where you were like, phew, actually, this is something I really, really want to do. You know, you think about having your little girl and at that time... I know that you started documenting, didn't you? Your journey, your pregnancy, yeah. labour, your birth and things like that. And this was a, a moment, I suppose, and I think you've said this before, was the turning point because your collection became very personal and very emotional Yeah, and it perfectly captured exactly not only what you were thinking and feeling, but what other women were thinking. Yeah. Was that your moment where you're thinking, right, that is the combination that's right for me? I'll
2: tell you what actually really was the moment. Sort of coincidentally, when I had Poppy, our little girl, I put all, all this work in to try and get published with illustrators and things with um, publishers. And I knew I was onto something. I really, really knew that. But I also knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mum and wasn't earning enough to not be anyway. So I sort of wrote myself a little letter and almost thought about it as a bit like, You know, when you have like really precious Christmas decorations, you don't really want to take your Christmas tree down. You wrap it in really nice tissue paper and you put it up in the loft. And I kind of thought to myself, right, Mm -hmm. I know what I want now. I know what's precious to me with work. I'm putting it in that loft. I know I'm going to be a mum now and I'll get back to that when she's at school. But then I did start to do a few little funny drawings about leaky boobs and all all that sort of thing that everyone thinks about. And a woman Mm -hmm. got in touch with me, uh, who was published, and said, oh, can you illustrate some of my jokes? And she was a really lovely woman and with really funny jokes, but I did start to illustrate it, but it just wasn't quite right. And I was working on that, and it wasn't Sketchy Mama, but it was drawing about motherhood. And then the the massive pivotal moment was basically when our daughter was nine months old, Ray got diagnosed with cancer. Yes. That was just like bang. It just was absolutely a monumental shift in every... Every single way and with absolute clarity was the moment where I thought, fuck it, I am doing what's real or what's honest and what's Mm -hmm. true to me. I don't want to follow anybody else's brief. When people go through cancer, they always say to you, is it terminal? And I had this thought with such clarity, well, all our lives are terminal. So I can't not do this now. Gosh. I thought everybody's life is terminal Why are we just hanging around, putting more effort into our plan B than our plan A? What really, really drove it from then on, obviously there's humour in the book, but I didn't do it for anyone else except for our daughter, because I thought, what if she never knows her dad? What if she doesn't know how kind and amazing he is? I couldn't have cared less if anyone else had liked it, because it just needed to be done. And it was just so, that is it, that is what I'm doing. So that was... That was the moment.
0: So many people in this community and out there listening go through these um, unbelievable experiences. Yeah. Would you say that actually finding that point where you said, fuck it, this is me. I am going to pull myself into this. This is something that's capturing this moment, capturing everything that we're going through. Do you think that there is a place where business or our outpouring into our passions, helps guide us through some of the most difficult times in our life. Absolutely. It's just, it's just my best friend. It's such a beautiful way of saying that, Anna. It's your best friend. You know, I think about my businesses. They were my best friend. I mean, we would have problems, definitely, (laughs) ups and downs. Yeah. But ultimately, I loved them. They were my friend. They knew me better than anybody else. I knew them better than anybody else. What a lovely way of putting it.
2: When I was going through a phase of when I started to get some children's books and also doing some cards, I sort of got to the point where I was trying to chase what was popular and trendy and I just felt like I was betraying myself Mm -hmm. because I thought, I wouldn't even buy that card myself that I've just created. What on earth am I doing? And I think you think, well, I thought this was supposed to be my dream job, but I'd rather go back to cleaning toilets and actually have art that means something to me than... It just feels like a betrayal when you're not doing what's right for you. And all through when I did temp jobs, I mean I used to quite like the reception jobs because again, they seem to have quite a good stationary department. And I just would in London doing the temp jobs and I'd turn up to the recruitment places and they said, right, if you've got any typing skills, I'd say, no. Do you know how to use Microsoft Word? No. So they said, OK, we'll put you on reception. Just smile. Just wear a black suit and smile. I thought, oh, OK, I can do that. I think it was like Gartmore Bank. I don't even know if it's still there. And all these like swanky banks. And I was like, it's just so far out of where I should be. But I thought, oh, my God, they've got amazing stationary departments.
0: <laughs> so going back to sort of saving you, you think that that is... It is your best friend. It's obviously been your best friend always. You just didn't quite know it.
2: Yeah, it's just so loyal to you. It's like if you've been dumped by someone, if you do a rubbish job, I guess like musicians, it's just an outlet. And I just like,
0: it's just me. It's just like a really, really good friend. I just love that. I love that you say it's loyal. Whatever it's going through it's going to stick by your side. And I hope you don't mind me mentioning and I know you've been quite open about it, but you suffered also a miscarriage a few years later. Do you think that going through these experiences has now meant you're more connected to what you do? I think I was very lucky with Poppy.
2: I kind of thought, oh, I'd quite like a baby and it happened quite quickly and I feel like I won the lottery first time round. Really, that's how I try to frame it. Through sketch your mama, every day I'll get a message, or you just are more in touch with the sort of the mm-hmm. rawer side of life. And yes, I think I think people seem to like my drawings because they just are quite honest. And and I think at f- when you go through, like Ray had the cancer, then we lost a baby, and you start to think, oh, why is this stuff? Ha- why me? Mm-hmm. But then actually, you look up and you think, every single one of my friends is going through something or has gone through something. And I really love drawing about really, really normal but real life. It's who we are. Mm. I mean, you can have the sort of wow moments in your life, but really our life is lots of days, lots of weeks, lots of months, lots of years, and that's your life. And I like, in those seemingly boring moments... They're everything moments because they're
0: love and it's just real life, isn't it? So many things aren't there in these, In these, you're right, in this just sort of the, the sea of time that we always sort of allow to pass us by because we're looking forward to the point that we're driving to or we're going to or if you actually look at what happens in our day, you're right. It's, it, it is absolutely full of things worthy of your illustrations. Like, I absolutely love people watching.
2: And when we'd sit, when Ray was going through treatment, we'd sit in the hospital and it would just be so moving seeing an elderly couple, one of them with a hand on each other. And you think, God, how far have they travelled together? And it's just the simplicity, but the power of normal life, because normal life... There's just so much love in it and so much, I don't know, it's how to put it. Oh, no, I think you're putting it brilliantly. You can walk through a supermarket or something and you can always see the gaps of what's missing in your life, if you've lost a baby or whoever you've lost. And you can look and you can see everything you've lost in front of you. But really, you don't know anything about that person's life. They're just walking around in their little suitcase, i.e. their body. But there's so much of a story inside each person and you can't really take people at face value I just like I say even when I look in supermarkets and you see a tender elderly couple having a jacket potato in Sainsbury's cafe and I look at them and I think god I wonder what they've gone through and they're so tender with each other and Mm. I find myself welling up looking at people having jacket potatoes together in a cafe but I think when you've gone through stuff you're not complacent with life anymore
0: I just you know I think so many people are going to take so much out of what you've said and you know in a way and what one of the things I try and talk about is this idea of having a diamond and finding it and shining it and it can be as odd and unique as as possible actually yeah and and you think about yours it's your observation of Normal life, or your observation of the jacket potato (laughs) to elderly people touching their hands. But I totally get it, though. And that's what you do. You so beautifully, innocently put it down onto paper with your take, your diamond. And there is something that just happens when you look at your illustrations. It's just absolutely beautiful. And that all then sort of meant that in a way you went back to maybe binding a better book than the book we were talking about earlier in your photocopying room. (laughs) You know, you went on to create this beautiful book, which is just stunning. We sell it at Holly & Co. Everyone loves it what it means to be a mother. And it's a collection of these illustrations from these early days of motherhood. And you captured all these moments from breastfeeding, the soft play, hell, <laughs> uh, the sheer sleep deprivation. And these are universal truths. This is the yeah. thing. It's what you're talking about, this jacket potato. That's happening all over the world and I know Giovanna Fletcher says that your work never fails to put a smile on her face and makes her heart feel a little warmer this must be very special to you
2: so Lauren my agent who's really lovely found me through my Facebook page I mean this is three or four years ago now and it was it was really really good to finally have someone see what you were doing and saying, yes, we like it just the way it is. It was really, really exciting to get the book made. It sort of was tinged with a bit of sadness, although actually that's completely come full circle because I handed everything in for that book and then I got pregnant again and, I, and the book came out the week that baby was due. And so part of me felt like mm-hmm. it was quite bittersweet. But what I absolutely love about that book is it's proved its point because now when Poppy she's old enough to look at it and read it and it was ultimately just for her and she absolutely loves looking at it Mm. and and things like that and and I like the fact that it's it is quite timeless for people and so it is really really nice that something that you've done that's come from the inside out that other people like and I think that's sort of if you're looking to try and be successful it's just to not sort of follow what you think people are like but actually and when you touched on it just now about everyone will have something really 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 unique like success will be so different for one person to another mm. it could be like I've got a friend who's been really kind helping me with my accounts and she just says I just love accounts
0: And it doesn't matter what your thing is, but it's the passion for the thing. And thank goodness your agent and, you know, someone found that and actually has publicised that. And I'm also thrilled that I've seen that you've recently collaborated on a jewellery range with Maya Magel. Is that right? Yeah. Tell me about this collaborating. Is this one of your first collaborations? I think the first one I did was with 717, the candle company. I think
2: you might stock them. Oh, yeah, well, I do indeed know them well. They're really lovely candles. So they got in touch with me. That was actually this time last year. And I thought, oh, that's quite exciting. But I think because it's just me running my business and it has got a lot busier now and I've sort of got a screech in at three o'clock for the school run, often people will ask you if you want to do things and you're sort of sitting in your little shepherd hut like firefighting. Or oh, have I done those accounts? Have I packaged the orders? So sometimes you don't really appreciate what a lovely opportunity it is. but anyway then the bumble and goose lady got in touch with me Lindsay to do the biscuits they just give me so much joy and then Maya got in touch with me about the jewellery all the three things that I've said yes to are things that with the jewellery I thought I just really what a lovely opportunity to make an amazing keepsake for my own daughter. I'm, when am I going to have the chance to make a necklace that is perfect for what I want to give her Yes. when I'm no longer here or, you know, or when she's older? They've all been really, really good collaborations. And I,
0: if the right ones come along, I think they're just a really nice thing to do. I love that idea. And I've not heard that before. Thinking of your collaborations, and I know not all of them, but that just picking up on that point where maybe you work in some, you know, in your industry. So you're probably not going to, as you say, make a necklace yourself, but actually by collaborating, but having that personal love for what it is. Yeah. Having that personal sort of take on that collaboration. So rather than thinking, oh yes, that will do well. It's more that actually for your brand, it's it's so Everything almost comes back to the personal angle of yeah. it. I would love to give her a necklace. That's why this collaboration is really beautiful because I'm thinking of my daughter when I'm creating this piece. And it's it's quite an uh, an interesting way of looking at what collaborations maybe a small business would do does it resonate with actually what you want to give out to the world? Um, Or is it a tick box? And I think that that's what can happen sometimes with collaborations where it goes wrong. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I mean, a couple of times I've been asked to do collaborations with bigger companies and I think, but I wouldn't really buy that product. So it was just a bit awkward. But particularly with the biscuits, even my own friends bought lots for people and they just said it just somehow gives a hug and a biscuit which sounds such a sort of simple thing to say but it Mm. they give me joy and I mean I designed them and I've seen a lot of them now but I look at them and I think oh they make me feel so happy when I look at those biscuits and I think (laughs) now I'm thinking I really need a, a little mug and a little tea tray to to go with them so that is one thing I'm looking at I think, does anyone want to collaborate and do some mugs with me?
0: Well, everyone can hear it here first. This is what happens on this podcast. So many of my guests have said what they're thinking of or hoping for. And then I get told afterwards that these things do actually get pulled off because of the people listening. And tell me when we touch on that's what you're hoping to maybe create or collaborate to do. You've now got to this point with a business that I think you found yourself now, Anna. Yeah. You're no longer searching. This is who you are. You're in your log cabin. You are, you know, so beautifully describing your journey. Do you map out the future? Do you visualize what's going to come in front of you? Or do you live more to the day-to-day of, of the journey of this sort of craziness that's called a small business?
2: <laughs> well, I think um, firstly, just to say, by the way, I absolutely love your Everything you do because not only do I now realise that I love illustration, I realise that I absolutely love small business.
0: Mm. I
2: just feel like, yes, that's it. And I've been on a few courses with Unlocking Potential, which is um help small businesses in Cornwall. And I did this two day workshop and I literally could do it over and over again because I realized that I know now I'm an illustrator. But I absolutely love the whole small business aspect as well mm. with my goals and things. I actually, pr- prior to this interview, I dug it out. I, I've got my practical goals.
0: For those who those who can't see, I'm actually looking at Anna's. She's actually holding them up to me. So your personal goals and your professional goals. I love that. Well, I've got my
2: financial goals, like say, if I need a new boiler, I've got my Professional goals, but the more important of all of them is my soul goals. And that's the projects where you just absolutely know that's why you were put on this earth to do. So I sort of have to dip in between sort of learning spreadsheets for my sort of professional practical goals to kind of
0: fixing the boiler.
2: Yeah. And then I think, now what was my soul goals? I need to go out and look at the moon again and get in touch (laughs) with that. I'm going to carry on with Sketchy Mama, but I have actually got two other things that are bubbling quite a lot underneath the surface one of them's a book
0: oh really
2: I feel like I'm back in the position now where I was with the sketchy mama where I've got this book that means so much to me it's like burning inside of me that it's a passion project that I don't care if anyone likes it because I just the amount of people that I think I wish I'd already done that book I want to give it to that person at that time because I think they need that book yeah, it's just all underwater. It's all these underwater. And have you started it yet? Yeah, I, I have started it and can't tell you how alive it makes me feel. I just feel like every part of my body is just like, oh my God, I just love doing this. I, and like I said, it might never be published or whatever, but I don't care because I've tapped back into that source and it's like, yes.
0: I seriously need someone to pinch me every time I say this, but I've actually written a book. Do What You Love, Love What You Do is packed with lessons and advice from my 20 years of experience of starting and growing businesses distilled into one colourful book. Making a living doing exactly what you love by turning your passion into profit really is the secret to happiness. I want to help everyone find their diamond and their purpose for being and turn that into a business. This book is here to help. I've poured my heart and soul into writing it, truly refining my most important life and business lessons to empower you to live your very best life, your good life, because happiness is the new rich. Do What You Love, Love What You Do is out on the 6th of May. Head to holly.co slash book to pre-order your copy now. could talk to you forever more actually I could have a nice big glass of wine with you actually at this point but yeah Friday night every yeah exactly I finished this interview with the analogy and I can imagine you literally sketching this that running your own business is like being on an epic roller coaster now your sketched cart when it is going downwards what would you say has been one of your biggest lows whilst running your business
2: this is why it ties in so well with everything that you talk about in your help with small business, because absolutely, again, I can say with absolute clarity, it was losing my second baby because it literally ripped the heart out of me, but also my business. So if you haven't got the heart of your business, like the heart of your business, that there'll be so many things that go wrong, like post goes missing, all the rest of it, but that's all just logistics. But that for me was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was, it was just ripped
0: the heart. Mm. So that, but the heart did get put back. It got put back. But do you feel that that's the scariness of us running our businesses? As you said, you know, losing the post is a utilitarian aspect of running a business. But going through what you went through, it also ripped the heart out of your company. Does that scare you that it's so closely aligned with you as a person? Because when we're on the up, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. But on the down, it really can stop you in your tracks as a businesswoman. It definitely
2: doesn't scare me because it actually makes me feel I've survived. Like when Ray got over the cancer, he, just, he said, I'm just going to become a better version of myself now. And I think it doesn't scare me at all. It makes me realise that every human has the capacity to regenerate. Whatever your failures are, you can regenerate because that's your life force. Mm. Part of me thinks, you know, say Instagram imploded tomorrow and the internet like caught fire and we never had an internet anymore or, or something. I just know now that I'm aligned with like if you look at anything in nature, there can be the most terrible destruction, but a little shoot will pop up and that will be, mm-hmm. it makes you fearless, I think, when you go through stuff and you've survived. I see the sketchy mum as a chapter. It's very personal work, but it's... it's
0: Definitely one chapter of, of me and I've got a lot of things bubbling under. I just can't wait to see it. And conversely, when you're sketching uh, your hair blowing in the wind and a big smiling face, which I can just literally picture now. Tell me what has been a greatest high.
2: There's two. Firstly, getting this shepherd up because that to me was like, oh, full circle. With my letters to younger self, it will make more sense. But I really do feel like it's just a really sort of moderate little shepherd up, but every time I walk in that door I think I'm home this is exactly where I should be but also this is so random but one of my greatest business highs is when a giant lizard from New York turned up in my studio which was basically a gift that someone gave me this lady who I'm in touch with in Zimbabwe she's. I drew a little, there's a little hint of her in the Female Founders. Oh, right. Yeah, I've been talking back and forth with her on Instagram quite a lot. And she gave me this lizard as a gift because I'd done some pictures for her. And it came just at the time. And I said, oh, what does a lizard represent? And she said, it represents regeneration, rebirth and... It just really Mm. links in with this new book that I'm doing. And I thought, oh, my God, that's just so magical. How often does a lizard from New York turn up at your your shepherd's hut? That is
0: the best high I've heard so far. Yeah. A lizard from New York turned up in my shepherd's hut in Cornwall. To put it in context, (laughs) it's about a
2: metre-long, beaded, ornamental lizard. But to me, I just thought, oh, my God, this is so symbolic. I'm just, oh, I'm on the right track here. Because it just was so random. but that, So yeah, that was that.
0: I know this has just been beautiful to hear your story. And it, as you said, this is one chapter and I blinking can't wait to see all the other chapters. But it is that time of the podcast where I'm going to hand over to you. You've mentioned it a couple of times that you've prepared a letter to your younger self. And I, for one, I'm going to take off my glasses, take a moment, take my cup of tea and absolutely listen to every word that you've written. Thank you, Anna.
2: I suddenly thought, oh my God, where's the first page? And then I realised it is the note to the, the engineer saying, I've
0: nipped the loo. Oh, yes. <laughs> Anna, before the podcast, for those listening, needed to nip to the loo and our engineer was on there. So she actually drew a brilliant sketch just saying, I'm nipping to the loo. And he took a photograph and absolutely loves it. So yes, that's your first page. So brilliant. Uh, Over to you, Anna. Thank you. Okay.
2: Hello, little seven-year-old Anna. I am just checking in to say hi and give you a heads up on how life has panned out so far. Hopefully, if we get a good innings, we're only halfway through our current planet Earth trip. And so it seems a good time to reflect on a few things. You're probably in your pop-up office setup, Crabtree offices, that you made from some old desks that mum got hold of somewhere that someone was chucking out. Mum is creative and will fuel that in you. I expect you're organising your sticker and scented pen collection, dealing with design commissions for clients of the Teddy variety. You will obtain a flip-top Rolodex and a stationary desk organiser from somewhere. I think it's a free gift Granny got from a catalogue. Anyway, you think it's the best thing ever, with its multifunctional miniature organisation compartments and a double pen holder. It will sit proudly on your desk, acting as a booking system alongside the red phone you have yanked in through the door, straining the curly wire. Have you made an appointment? You choose the Snoopy Savings Building Society account because you get the best stamps in that one. You get such satisfaction rearranging them to see which colour combinations work best together. You will use these skills and colour combos in time to come especially that blue sky that really popped out against Snoopy's red kennel roof. Simple, but pleasingly graphics, then and now. At primary school, you'll be given a tiny bit of yellow ribbon folded and pinned by a safety pin to act as a badge for coming third in a sports day race. You're so glad you came third as you liked your colour ribbon best. It was a beautiful primrose yellow that glowed even more yellowy when you held it up to the sun. You still think about that ribbon a lot now, but have never quite found that exact match of that particular yellow yet. Colour is so powerful. You, I, we love it. It's magic, neat joy. Well, firstly, I can tell you, not much has changed today work-wise, except the clients are now actual humans and usually pay in real money rather than cola cubes and sherbet pips. You have actually ended up with quite a cool studio that has a few Snoopy mirrors dotted around, but more of that later because it took a right old merry dance to get back home to this again, us. School is good simply because you make some really close friends. You hit the jackpot there. Nurture and cherish these friendships, because they will sustain you through the good times and the bad and be your biggest cheerleaders through every decade. There is something very special about having a long history with friends. They understand the child and the adult in you. Sooner or later, time marches on and you have to get on board with the old chronological time train, hurrying you along and making sure you are keeping pace with everyone else. It's weird, this whole chronological time system that humans have to slot into. Do the exams, go to college, get a steady job, and get a house and a dream kitchen that needs upgrading every five years. It is handy to keep time so as not to be late for dentist appointments and the school run, but in many ways it's quite limiting. It forces you to keep up with everyone around you, even though you may be completely different types of people with totally different needs. Don't fall into the chronological time trap, forget about your age, as it will only become a cumbersome barrier of all the reasons you can't do something and tramples over the quiet, honest voice inside you that knows that you can. You will go to art college as you imagined, and it's wonderful, but it won't actually lead to a proper job that you can find in the job section, and that is where your 20s will be difficult. You'll head off to London loaded with creative energy and ideas but have no clear direction to go in and will not quite fit in anywhere, creatively speaking. You'll spend most of this decade knocking on creative doors in between telesales and bar jobs. Flashes of chances will happen in glamorous advertising companies and enough meetings with important people to know that you've got something. But what is this something and what do you do with it? You will feel lost in every sense. Eventually, tired of never quite being in the right place at the right time, you will come home to Cornwall, deflated and demoralised. One day, you will be sitting in Asda car park in your late 20s, recently dumped by a boy, comforting yourself with a family-sized bag of cheese balls, wondering where it all went so horribly wrong. You had planned to conquer the world. You will have such a lump in your throat. You are not choking on a cheese ball, <laughs> but all the failures and disasters of this decade where you tried so hard to be successful but just went around and around in circles. <laughs> At almost 30, you get a job in a reprographics graphics department doing people's photocopying. It's dull, but you are surrounded by paper and pens, and you begin to connect with the middle bit of you again, us. You sort of have your own office again now, with an updated Rolodex. They call them computers now. One day, as you are hunched underneath a photocopier machine, fixing Paper Jam 2368, you will notice a set of feet come into view, and a little voice asking you if you fancy a curry one night. Boom. Here is the person that will change everything for you. Quiet and unassuming, you have found someone who will become the steady foundations of everything good in your life that is now to come. Your safety, your harbour, your home. Ray will encourage you to just pick up a pencil and draw again because he sees the middle bit of you, the ageless bit, the magic bit. Finally, through just drawing for yourself, you have found your creative path. You will have your little girl and she will make you want to be a better version of yourself for both of you. She will be the reason you say, yes, I can, even if you're so scared inside. Your love for her will be the fuel to keep you going when the hard times come. One day you will decide to make some personal drawings to document your time as a new mum, just for your little girl when she is older. You will call it Sketchy Mama and share a few pictures. People seem to like them and it sets you on a good path. That's the lesson here. Just draw what means something to you and the rest will follow. Don't worry about fitting in with someone else's brief, you already have your own brief inside waiting to come out. You will experience devastating loss in your life that almost destroys you. There is a place though between the almost and the total destruction where another thing exists if you have the courage to hold on. It's a tiny whisper at first but it gets stronger. It's your life force, your spirit, your soul saying, I'm willing to regenerate, I'm willing to heal, this life is worth living, I'm ready to go again. It's true what mum said. Stay close to nature and watch it regenerate at every turn. Never forget that you are nature too and to continually regenerate is part of the plan. Precious things are never truly lost, They infuse into you and you carry them everywhere in the most sacred part of your being. I wanted to tell you something quite cool I have discovered, little Anna. Now I'm in my 40s, although I look much bigger and older on the outside and have been known to wear elasticated trousers on occasion. On the inside, I don't really feel any different to seven-year-old you. Stay aligned with the middle bit. It has nothing to do with chronological time. It's a totally different department. It's timeless. Keep drawing your pictures, because if they matter to you, they are sure to matter to someone else too. We are, after all, just seeking connection and a sense of belonging. Lately, you have had a bit of external success, getting cards in fancy supermarkets and stuff like that. It's fun and a little ego boost out in the school run, but none of that represents deep lasting success. Success is filling up your biscuit jar with tunnex tea cakes and sharpening your pencils ready for a good day at the office, then home for egg and chips with the people you love. One day you'll be invited on the podcast of a lady who has inspired you so much on your journey. You will worry beforehand that you'll say the wrong thing, talk too much, But I don't think she'll really mind because you have found people like you, free spirits that can't be put in a box. Enjoy this moment in your shepherd's hut on a cliff top. Get the kettle on, switch on the twinkly fairy lights above your head and know that in this moment you're exactly where you're meant to be. Take the risk. Tell the story. It's worth it.
0: Oh, Oh, I just have to take a breath. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like you've read a book that you've illustrated and I can almost picture every single one of your illustrations. It's just to know that I think we all see your middle bit in a way through your work. Aww. I think that's the inspiring thing for everyone that's listening and remember who we are in our middle parts and, and know that people love us for it. Aww. And I just, um, yeah, can't thank you enough for such beautiful, beautiful words. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for having me because
2: you're a massive part of my trip.
0: (laughs) Before you go, don't forget to head to holly.co to be in with a chance of winning a brand new Dell Technologies XPS laptop and a whole host of other goodies. And if you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co.